Legendary broadcaster Lisa Laflamme spoke at the Winter Garden Theater last night. Shiva Siddiqui and I got to go. It was lovely of Dress for Success Toronto to invite us. Um, and they do so many important things as well that we're happy to advocate for and be a part of uh, for now and certainly in the future. Our own Farah Nasser from Global National uh, introduced Robin Doolittle from the Globe and Mail. Award winners everywhere in the house. We talked about our impressions of Lisa Laflamme's story. She's obviously been a newsmaker in her own right, maybe not by her own choosing over the last year, but I think you'll be interested to know what she and I thought about some of the things she said and the atmosphere at the Winter Garden Theater last night. So have a listen. Let's talk about Dress for Success. What do they do? So Dress for Success is an organization that helps women who want to get back to the workforce, who you know want to become a little bit more financially literate in what they're supposed to be asking for in a job, uh, who haven't uh, oftentimes who haven't worked in a really long time or sometimes not at all. And they're very supportive of how how to, you know helping you with your resume, helping you with your your job experience, how how to communicate in an interview, even something like as simple as what to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they're such a great supportive organization for women, and they hosted Lisa Lafama at the Winter Garden. Theater last night and you and I went and you're right we had fantastic tickets we didn't we weren't aware though of what what our seats were so we sort of had to go upstairs and there's this big velvet curtain <laughs> we pushed the velvet curtain aside honestly and, yeah. and there's this beautiful balcony box and I'm like whoa Greg like we're I at the exact same time you're like I feel like we're the king and queen and I said I feel like we're Megan and Harry that's right that's right <laughs> and did we get I uh, did we get better seats than John Tory because we were closer <laughs> but we were higher up I think they kind of stuck him on the side but he was on the floor at least he getting to meet floor. some of his um constituents yes he was on the side he got some great <laughs> pictures in right that's that's what counted yeah. but i think it was a really inspirational event she spoke about obviously robin started it off with asking her about you know what happened with the firing that's what she called it very blatantly which you have to respect um mm-hmm. and lisa sort of she did get into it but she didn't like she sort of sidestepped some questions and she's you know she's a master at interviewing so i think she knows how to handle every question thrown at her i wish she had gotten into a little bit more detail about what it was like being the only woman on the air in this country with gray hair and how those people those people <laughs> you people, you people. how, I, I'm how glad, they treated her i'm glad you said that because i the, my favorite eight minutes, the, the when I was most um, captivated, and I was throughout, <laughs> was w- was her talking about um, the change in hair color. Because I thought to myself, too, 85% of the people probably in the theater were women. Do you think that's too high? Four to five, probably? Oh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would make the case, not a lot of them are in their teens or 20s. Maybe some children were brought, but it's mostly her contemporaries or people... Um, you know, maybe 35 to 50. So what I got the sense was I, I could feel the air in the room become instantly relatable to her telling this story about 100%. having to go color her. She talked about having to color her every three weeks. I don't think I'm telling any secrets out of school. She told a thousand people last night and she said I had to go. And then when COVID came, when the restrictions came, I couldn't do it. You couldn't get a hair appointment. You know, and Nobody I know could. people were getting their hair done in garages and there were all these secret hair appointment like like again i don't want to go into the silly stuff that we we did but we're like oh god don't have somebody come over to your basement and cut your hair how dangerous but we were there and and lisa was basically like screw it and even before the pandemic she said her sister decided who was a year older decided to go gray and she's like i'm inspired by that 
but I'm not there quite yet. I can't rule out another few years of coloring and the co- and the pandemic pushed her, right? Yes. yes. And that's honestly, and she how'd you it- feel listening to that? That's oh, that story. But she's 100 percent right. Look, after a certain age, everybody colors their hair. She talks about how she started getting grays when she was um, in her teens, her late teens. Mm-hmm. Her and her sister started going early gray. So she's been coloring for a long time. But after a certain age, yeah, me too. Like I started getting a couple, I'd say in my 20s. And then in my early 30s, I'm like, you know what? Like it, it was babies. It was babies that really just brought it on. So I'm like, I'm going to start coloring too. I can tell you 100% personal experience everywhere I go, whether it's at work, even in the chorus building, whether it's, you know, with friends at a restaurant, I am treated differently by people when my hair is colored versus when it is not. And I think every woman out there who does the same thing, who colors, can relate to me in this way. It's like wearing makeup, too. A woman is treated very differently when she wears makeup yeah. versus when she isn't. But that goes with gray hair as well. You're not... Um, People are not as, and I'd say men are not as friendly. You're, the door is not open for you as often. Um, you're often, it's just, it's such a blatant difference. Do you think, I'm going to ask this because you, you know, I think you've gotten to know me pretty well. Do you think this is sort of subconscious that men do it? I don't, I, I try not no. to consciously treat anybody differently. No, it happens. I don't, but I, I don't think I'm opening a is, door for somebody that I think is pretty look, versus somebody with, that looks no, like you they, are. I, I but, promise but, you, but you then are. It's subconscious, but you don't, of course it is. Of course okay, it I'm is. making but sure that it it's that. Uh, listen, whether you're wearing makeup or not makes a difference. Your weight makes a difference. I've been over 200 pounds post-birth, post-birth, I've been 120 pounds. That's my extremes. I've been both, you're completely ignored when you're extremely overweight or versus when you're not. Um, gray hair, not gray hair, all of these things, it's awful. Mm. And Lisa has started this conversation. They all make such a difference in how society treats women. And she talks about women over 50 and how women over 50 completely are completely ignored and, and uh, they're, they're like, they're not even in the room. That's how bad it gets for which I'm not looking forward to that. That sounds awful. Yeah, I, I it, that is rough. And and I got the sense there's a lot more for Lisa to do. And she's 58 years old. Like that's staggering to me what she's accomplished. Started young Incredible. And, 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 and some of her stories where she said, I had to keep pushing. I mean, we all got to a certain point where we're like, do I keep going? Do I not? Do I push forward? Do I not? Are doors being opened or and, and what if they didn't open? How long would I stay with? job X making Y amount of money. We all ask those questions in any industry and Lisa pushed through.